Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. We're so excited to bring you this broadcast today. We're going to take you to the continuation of the message we began last week on the broadcast from Family Night. That's a night we get together here in this room. We get together, we praise the Lord, we get into the Word of God, and we let the Lord speak to us. And today on this broadcast, we're going to talk about the hardest thing God ever had to do. And I know the Bible says nothing is too hard for him, but that doesn't necessarily mean everything is easy. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's always easy for us, but things change when we get with God and God gets with us. And we're going to find out more about that today in this message. Father, we thank you for what you would speak to us today through your word. We open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts. We want to see, we want to hear, we want to understand what you have for us today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go right now to family night. You're going to love this and you'll be blessed. Go to the book of Ephesians. I want to show this to you. You look for Ephesians. I'm going to read something to you out of the book of Mark. You remember this. We talked some about it a month or two ago. In Mark chapter 9, a man had brought his son to the disciples to be healed, and they prayed for him, and he wasn't healed. And then he brought him to Jesus, and he said to him, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and heal my son. But what did Jesus say to him? You remember this in Mark chapter 9? He said, if you can what? Believe. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, if you can believe. So it's not just about Jesus' ability. That's what this guy was coming to Jesus on. If, if you can. If you can do anything, have compassion. But Jesus said, it's not about my ability. It's about you getting with me and me getting with you through what you believe. That's what connects us. We are connected to either men or God by what we believe. See, those, all those spies that went into Canaan land, they saw that situation a particular way, except two of them saw it a different way. They saw it how God saw it. And because of that, they believed something that everybody else didn't believe. See, that's what's, that's what's going to have to happen in our lives. That's what's going to have to happen in our ministries, in our families. When everybody else is looking at the same situation and you got 10 people and nine of them say, it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done all the way down the line until they get to you. If you're going to have a different opinion about it, you're going to have to see something that everybody else doesn't see. And when you see something that everybody else doesn't see, you'll say something that everybody else doesn't say. When everybody else says it can't be done because you're looking at something else entirely, not that the natural elements have changed, not that the, the physical things have changed, but you just see it the way God sees it and you begin to say about it what he says about it. You see this is how the Lord put it to me today. If you'll hear what he said, then you'll see what he sees. Then you say what he said, then you'll have what you say. I know that's a little convoluted. You got to just follow the process down a little bit and think about each one of them. If you'll get with him, get in the presence of God, stay in the presence of God long enough to hear him say something about whatever it is you're facing. Whatever impossibility, whatever walls, whatever giant you've stepped up and facing. 
if you'll spend enough time in the presence of God to hear him say something about it, then you'll see what he sees. That's what words do. They create images. That's what words do. They paint pictures. And you know that. You could be standing there talking to somebody and they explain something to you and you go, oh yeah, I see that. What, do they draw a picture? No. Dale may have. Dale's a picture drawer. He will draw you a picture. But not everybody does that. What do they do? They use their words, right? They use their words. They explain something to you. And what do we say? Oh yeah, I see that. What? What do you see? You don't see anything. Well, their words did something and it shed some light for you and you see something. And maybe you didn't see it before, but when they explained it, they made sense out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, I see that now. So if you'll stay in the presence of God long enough to hear him say something about it, get in the word and find out what he has said about it and let those words create an image. Then you see what he said. And after you see that, you don't see anything in the natural change, but you see it. The eyes of your heart see it. Then you begin to say what you see. Then you'll have what you say. It's a process. Follow the process all the way through. See, we like to start with the have what you say. That's the end of the process. It's, it was supposed to start a long time before that. Where? In the presence of God. You getting with him, him getting with you. It's our believing that connects us. The more you listen to men and what men have to say about your impossibility, the more you are going to see what they say. And your belief in what they say will connect you to them and you'll have what they say, you'll have what you say. And even in the middle of this thing I was telling you about, this, this thing that Sarah and I have been walking through together over the last couple of months, you know, the... The natural elements of it haven't changed a whole lot. But man, I have put a guard over my mouth in a way I haven't in a long time. And there are a couple of things that I will not let come out of my mouth. One of which is this. I will not say, I don't see how. I'm not going to say that. There's been a temptation to, sure. You, you, you crunch the numbers or you sit there and you think about it and you write it all out on paper. And it would be very easy to just kind of push yourself away from it and say, well, I don't see how or I don't see where, but I'm not letting myself, I'm not letting those words come out of my mouth. Those are deadly words. And if anything, I say this, Father, that I may receive my sight. That's my request. I want to see about this what you see. And I'll say what you say. Your believing is what connects you. You're either connected to men and the impossibility through what you believe, or you're connected to God and the possibilities through believing him. Where are you? Where did I tell you to go? Ephesians. Just because nothing is impossible doesn't mean everything is easy. I know that might be a strange statement to you, but I want you to hear this. In Ephesians chapter 1, you can begin in verse 15. Paul writing, by the Spirit of God, he said, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you 
in my prayers. I love this because this is not uncommon in the writing of Paul. He writes to places and he says, I've heard about you. Now, of course, they didn't live, he didn't live in the culture that we're living in now where, world, where word can travel across the world in a second. World, word traveled then, but it was much, much slower. But wherever he was in the world, wherever these people were, we know in the book of Ephesians, there's the city of Ephesus, word got back to Paul. And he found out these are people of faith. They've got faith in Jesus and they've got love for each other. And the reality of that so hit him. He said that I don't stop praying for you. I don't cease praying for you. Every time I think of you and your faith in Jesus and your love for each other, it brings me to my knees in prayer for you. And here's what I'm praying. He said, I'm praying, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if this prayer is in the Bible, do you suppose it's God's will to answer this prayer? Do you suppose this is a Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-inspired prayer that God is willing, ready, and able to answer? Yes, that's why it's in here. And that's why it's so crucial and critical that you and I are led in our praying. That's why praying in tongues, to me, is such a huge part of my prayer life. I've got to find out what to pray. I'm going to pray the thing that he wants to do. And that's what's happening here. Paul's praying. And so you know it's the will of God that these people would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding, your heart being enlightened. I think it's the Amplified that says being flooded with light. That's the light coming on in you. That's what we've been talking about. Seeing something that you didn't see before. This is, this is going not from naturally blind to having sight, but spiritually blind to having spiritual sight. He said, I'm praying for you that you'd be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all wisdom, in all revelation, in the knowledge of him, and that your eyes would be open, that the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with light. Why, why, why would, why would, the light need to come on so you can see. It's so you can see. Don't fumble around in the darkness anymore. Let's, let, let's have the light come on so that we can see what it is we need to see. That's what's going on in our lives. I know that's what's going on for many of you. You need to see something that you don't see yet. So what is it that you need? You need the light to come on. And this is what this prayer is about. He's praying that the light would come on. And he says this, that you may know. So when the light comes on, there's several things here that you're going to know. One, when the light comes on, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And three, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Again, it's our believing that connects us. Now, what power is he talking about? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. You talk about an impossible situation, more impossible than darkness to light, more impossible than an old man and an old woman having a baby, more impossible than a young guy standing toe-to-toe with a giant. At least all these things look impossible, right? But one right after the other, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. You remember what Saul said to David when he caught wind of David who saw that giant different than every other man in the army of Israel? Thousands of men out there that day say, it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. David, the only one that looked at that giant and said, oh, I'll kill him. It can't be done. It can't be done. And this so stood out in this company of men, this attitude, the belief that it was possible, so echoed throughout this army that it got around to Saul, the king. He said, bring him to me. And David, you know this, you know the story. God was with me when I fought the lion, fought the bear. And the conversation with Saul started with Saul saying, how are you going to do this? You're a youth and he's been a warrior from his youth. In other words, it can't be done. And then David That's when he just told him his story. I fought the lion. I fought the bear and I killed him. And God will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And the next thing you know, Saul said to him, go. This is what he said. And the Lord be with you. That's how David killed that Goliath, killed that giant. The Lord was with him. But even more than any of these impossibilities, all the way through scripture, never was anything more impossible than raising Jesus from the dead. Never. When you talk about things being easy or being hard, things being possible or impossible, you got to realize that's kind of relative, isn't it? I mean, you think about your own life, things that may be easy for you now, things that you do almost without thinking about it, things that you do nearly out of habit with little to no effort. There was a time in your life where that, whatever that was, would have been impossible for you. Let me think about a a newborn little baby. They can't do the simplest little things. No strength, no ability. But there's coming a time where... You know, the first few days, they can't even hold up a bottle. But what, three months later, four months later, he's, he's feeding himself. He's holding his own bottle and we flip out. Why? Because now he can do something that he couldn't do. And things change as we develop. Things go from impossible to possible. And I, used, I remember being in elementary school and watching my dad play the piano or play the saxophone or pick up any instrument and play. And I just used to marvel at that and think, how do you do that? How do you know where your fingers go, what your hands are supposed to do? I couldn't figure it out. It was impossible to me. In the fifth grade, I started learning to play the saxophone and 
compared to what my dad could do with it. I was like, this is impossible. I couldn't do it, but I stayed with it. And you know, it wasn't just but a matter of a few years. And now I know how to do, or I couldn't anymore, but at that point, what I couldn't do just a few years before that, I guess what I'm trying to say to you is things are hard or things are easy and it's all relative. You know what I mean by that? I'm, I'm just sought the Lord over how to say this today and I'm just hoping you get it. That's all I can hope for. They're relative. And there are things that we have said that are easy for God. That's easy for God. Oh, that's easy for God. And there's truth to that. They are easy for God. The healing of your body is an easy thing for God. The prosperity of your home and your family and your finances, these are easy things for God. But why are they easy for him? Because it's, it's relative to something else, right? I was thinking about that guy today, Roger Bannister. You familiar with that name? He's the guy that, that the first man to ever break the four-minute mile. I think he just recently passed away. First one to ever do it. Ran a mile in less than four minutes. Well, based just on that knowledge, how easy do you think it would be for him to run a mile in less than 20 minutes? Easy, right? Why, how can you assume that that would be easy for him? Because you know something much harder that he's already done. Are you following me? It's relative, isn't it? Me in a 20-minute mile? I don't know. Maybe, I guess. Probably. But you, when you know something that somebody has already accomplished that was hard, that's what makes everything else easy. Are you following me right now? Never was anything more impossible than Jesus being raised from the dead. And Jesus in his own ministry, you know, you remember he said that he cast out demons by the finger of God. Do you remember that? The finger of God. That's pretty easy, right? <laughs> to cast out a demon. I mean, something that has tormented a soul maybe for decades or an entire lifetime. And by the finger of God, he's gone. I've never celebrated Halloween, but I've always said if I were to dress up as anything, I would dress as the finger of God. <laughs> that would be what I would go as. But when it came to raising him from the dead, do you notice this, what it said in Ephesians? Verse 19, he wants you to know the exceeding greatness of his power toward you, or that is for you, who? Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. To raise Jesus from the dead was such an impossible proposition that it took the working of the mighty power of God. Now, I don't claim to understand all that, but I'm beginning to get a sense that this image we have of God just sort of blase about whatever. Oh, that's easy. Oh, that's easy. God just sort of Sipping on a drink, sipping some iced tea. Oh, that's easy. That, there may be an element of truth to the easiness of it, but what needs to resound in us is why is that easy? 
What makes my healing easy for him? What makes my joy, what makes my peace, what makes the restoration of relationships and marriages, things that have looked impossible and felt impossible, what makes a a diagnosis from a doctor that says there's nothing more that can be done, what makes that easy to God? The fact that he raised Jesus from the dead. The hardest thing that's ever been done the most impossible thing that has ever been done. He did it. The the only thing in all of history past, present, or eternity going forward that has ever required the exceeding greatness of his power was to get Jesus up from the dead. And this is such a central thing to who we are. And what's coming to me with force the last day or so is that it's not enough to mentally adhere to this or to celebrate it on an Easter Sunday. Look at this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Can you give me just a few more minutes tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, there's so much here, guys. So much. I was going through the book of Acts today and just looking. I mean, from the moment the Holy Spirit filled up the disciples of Jesus, Peter came out of the gate preaching like a man on fire. And you know what he preached? In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, who God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be be held by it. When God looked at Jesus in the grave, we look at it and say, it can't be done. He can't be raised up. He looked at it and say, there's no way he's staying there. And he preached, Peter preached, and the Bible says that that day, 3,000 people believed. What'd they believe? They believed in the existence of Jesus. Well, yeah, but that's not all. They believed he was the son of God. Okay, that's good. But there's a very specific requirement here. What did, what did he preach? He preached that he was crucified and he preached that he rose again. And what he preached, they believed. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.